on this month's episode of Black Girl Talks Pop. I choose to love this song. I'm still bitter that she had to wait so long to truly go solo. If you knew that your song was actually good, you wouldn't resort to stunts. Hey y'all, my name is Anna Grace, and you're listening to my podcast, Black Girl Talks Pop, where I talk about pop culture and all the hits and misses in between. I hope that you're staying safe and that you enjoyed the holidays. Since this new year is still fresh, I want a clean house, pop culturally anyway. On this side of the paywall, I'm calling all the hag stands. I've listened to several comebacks from our second generation queens, and I want to talk about them. My girls from SNSD, Tan and Hyoyeon, released new music, and you might be surprised at which one I preferred. Tiara is back with the new sound, and I have mixed feelings. I also want to talk about the return of Miss A's Faye, and a pattern I've seen with Sunmi that I want to run by you. Finally, I want to share some of my thoughts about Seo's singles from her first album, Alpha. I've been looking forward to this body of work since I became a K-pop fan in 2013, but the rest of my feelings are going to be on Patreon, along with my review of the podcast and HBO Max's documentary about Elizabeth Holmes. Let's talk about it! Now we shall make a stop for K-pop. At this time, I'll discuss what's bringing me up and what's bringing me down in my favorite music genre. This is based on my own opinion, so any crime is alleged and your feelings about your faves may not be protected. Shall we? Let's begin. In this segment, we're going to go through the singles released for some of my favorite K-pop artists of the second generation. I'll be going in order of release date, so we'll start from the oldest song and work our way to the most recent comeback. On July 6, Taeyeon shared her excitement about the weekend, but I felt nothing. I'm guessing that's better than being scared of getting COVID or fearing police brutality if I leave my home, but I wanted to feel actual joy. This song is allegedly not original, and Taeyeon failed to put her own spin that defines her other singles. Her vocals sound like the soulless sweet pop voice she put on for SNSD's popular song GNO, and she forgot to be the emotional powerhouse we know and love. Now I'd like to complain about the music video. SM's pretty good about keeping things nice and simple with the SM box, or even telling a cute story. This music video had no actual theme. I think they tried to lean into outrage marketing with Tan's bandana, and I hate that she allowed that to happen, but unfortunately I'm not surprised given her history. She looked silly in the bandana and blonde wig, and we barely saw that outfit because we quickly left the Totally Spy set, went to the airport, and jetted off to the 70s. On that 70s set, we see her working next to Western dancers who serve no purpose other than to pander to international fans. She doesn't really interact with them much. While the K-pop fan in me was slightly happy when she had a little moment with the black dancer, the black K-pop fan in me was disappointed. 
I've noticed in a lot of K-pop music videos that when black people, especially dark-skinned black women, are featured, we barely see their faces. We might see them in the background, or for a quick three seconds, or in the case of this glorious woman, we might even see a shadowy silhouette, but we rarely see them being fully embraced by the camera, and it stinks when you feel that you're not truly part of the story. With all that said, this song was Splat that was brought to us as part of SM's Distract the Masses with K-Pop campaign, and it was just as empty as Joy's cultural appropriation tour. One month later, Sunmi decided to cash in on the nostalgia with You Can't Sit With Us. I love Sunmi, but when she knows a song isn't her best, she distracts us. This time, instead of super sexual choreography, she just changed her hair and added some 2000s references. I'm glad that she didn't go back to her 24 hours style, but this is another song that doesn't live up to or exceed the greatness of Gashina, and it doesn't have the catchiness of Pura Palm either. I need her to figure out what works musically, then build a story around that. It just seems like she put a bunch of Mean Girls references on her mood boards and the song came in later, and I know she can do better than this. On August 9th, three days after Sunmi's return, Kayan rose from the SM maze to give us her seventh comeback, second. If anyone can make the phrase, take a second, catchy, it's Yoyan. Somehow, there's always something weird in Hyoyeon's songs. I don't receive her as a 40 personality, but she does have her own way of speaking and engaging with the world, so her having quirky lyrics always works. Of the escapist songs that SM has thrown at us, this song works the best. It fit Hyoyeon, and I feel like it could have been her first big hit. Unfortunately, SM doesn't want to make one of their best dancers a star. While the song was good, K-pop is mostly a visual medium, and Second's MV was quickly erased from our memory. What went wrong? First was the hair. The stylists at SM have read our tweets and emails about cultural appropriation, and now they want to be slick. When I saw those highlighter-colored antennas in Hyunyeon's hair, I was insulted. Are those party central decorations a substitute for braids slash dreads? But before I get too critical, I want to talk about what went right. The clothes. Hyunyeon has been trying to show us her traditionally feminine side for years, and she finally got the girly MV she's always wanted. It's a tale as old as time. The pure, pale vocalist wants the girl crush concept, and the sexy dancer wants to be the girl next door. Hyoyeon looked great in the pink dress, and she also looked great in the blue outfit she wore for her dance breaks. It felt like fan service as it reminded me of the powerhouse dancer we first saw on SNSD's debut. I wish they had pushed that callback more when marketing this song, but maybe it was for the best she wanted to step forward, move on. Hyoyeon is one of the best dancers in K-pop, so it was disappointing that the choreography didn't showcase her talent. She got not one, but two dance breaks. Her members actually suggested that she dance more, and she didn't really serve in either of them. 
It felt like the second MV had been edited by the people who put together Step Up 4. None of the dance routines made me more excited about the song, and none of it reminded me of Hyoyeon the performer. I hate to compare artists. Actually, I don't. I'm sure she danced just as hard as CL did, which is a problem in itself as Hyoyeon's a better dancer, but the editing of Spicy made it seem like CL's commanding the stage, while Seconds and Lee made me disappointed that there hadn't been any live performances of Punk right now. My next problem with the MV is purely my own preference. K-pop artists should not be given songs that require joy and or groove. There's just some things you can't teach in the practice room. This song is very reminiscent of the 2000s hip-hop hits like Chain Hang Low or Chicken Noodle Soup, in which you can see hundreds of black people joyfully dancing together. You can almost feel the joy that's pulsating through each scene and encouraging everyone to perform at their best. There's a natural sense of community and camaraderie that can't be replicated by the trauma bonding of the idol system. Even if Hyunyeon had more chemistry with her dancers, I doubt she'd be able to show us that type of joy, the black joy to be frank, that the instrumentation of Second alludes to. There was a moment where Hyunyeon and one of her dancers look at each other, and it felt very rehearsed, rather than just two artists taking pride in their work and saying, we've got this. It didn't grab me as much as I wanted it to, but it was still my favorite part of the MV. Don't get me wrong, K-pop has often brought me tidings of great joy, but in a very specific way and through a very different sound. Cars Step Up or Twice as Likey sound nothing like Second and for good reason. If SM and Hyoyeon had believed in this song more, I think it could have been the single that gave Hyoyeon a mini album or even more. If they had taken a second, they would have realized that the song could have been a pandemic anthem. Let's talk about these enemies of progress that block the path towards black liberation. I apologize for not telling you sooner, but there's some breaking news in the world of enemies of progress. I had to take a quick detour from our lighthearted journey through K-pop to discuss a comeback that's been bothering me. We didn't get a second to relax before half of Sistar returned. The half with the body rolling classic My Boy, you ask? No, and that's the problem. When you play favorites, you only hurt yourself. I have wondered for weeks why I don't love Summer or Summer. I like it, and it's going on my playlist, but when I realized that this should have been a Sister 19 comeback, I was livid. Yolan tried to give Dasam a career boost and terrorize the timeline with braids when all she had to do was dance with Sistar's main dancer and my bias Bora. I get that Dasam may be Yolan's favorite person, but I don't have the strength to care about the career trajectory of a pale visual. Dasam will always have a job. Yolan may not if she keeps acting up like this. From what I gathered, Dasam, the maknae of sister in Hyunlin's heartbeat, wanted to get back into music. 
Hyolin, who has had a successful solo career, decided to jump on a song with her as moral support. This all sounds great, but watching the music video was frankly traumatizing. As a Sistar fan and a Bay, I remember watching Hyolin dim her light so that the other members of Sistar could look like they were keeping up. So I was very unhappy to see Hyolin hide her talent to blend in with Dasum. Also, as a black fan who sees darker idols mistreated and skipped over for opportunities, I hated seeing Hyolin in the back for some of the choreography. Dasum really brought nothing but nostalgia and vibes, so I don't understand why Hyolin couldn't be in the front for at least some of the steps. I watched the music video and I saw Hyolin in her pop diva uniform of booty shorts and thigh high boots and I automatically liked the song more. I appreciate Hyolin and Dasum's chemistry and if I hadn't have watched a live performance and see Hyolin remain in the back, then I'd have more pleasant thoughts, but that did not take place. We're in this world now. Then I watched Soyu and Bora do the Summer or Summer Challenge on TikTok, and the star power is there. Soyu is one of the most beautiful women in K-pop, so it's always great to see her. Then we have the Sister 19 reunion that felt like it took forever because Hyolan, you know, has love for Bora. When I saw it, the stars aligned. My skin cleared. In my mind, my bills were paid. We could have had Bora rap and actually sing in a sister adjacent song, which is something I've wanted for years. Yolen would have been able to dance at full capacity because Bora's a respected dancer. Everyone would have won. But we didn't get that. This is random, but I want to do a pop pivot segment where we talk about a question I've had about K-pop groups. What is it with leaders having strained relationships with the older members of their groups? Is it a cultural thing? Is it just a case of personalities not clashing in several different groups? Let me know what duos you'd like to discuss. Back to the song, Summer or Summer was not a hit, and if it was, Hyolin would not have sported braids a few weeks later. This behavior just confirmed the lack of confidence that idols have in their own work. If you knew that your song was actually good, you wouldn't resort to stunts. With Hyolin, it's even more offensive because she knows that she wouldn't have her career without black fans hyping her up. So when Korean fans don't receive your music, you think it's okay to offend the black fans who have supported you? Does that make any sense? Hyolin should have spent more time on that Ramblings project that she promised us last year. I thought Hyolin was going to take a break from the sexy image, be more vulnerable, and grow as a songwriter. I was hoping that Ramblings would result in another album. We got the first song, which wasn't great. Then we got the second song about mental health. The song had thoughtful lyrics, but it wasn't as memorable as her previous work. I get that I'm supposed to love this song, but if you're going to talk about an important issue in your lyrics, it's even more important that the song resonates with the listeners and reaches as many people as possible. The highlights of the song were the featured artists when we should have been talking about Hyolin's songwriting skills. After the Braves debacle, Hyolin had the nerve to come back to us with what I guess is another KRMB song. What non-black women have is nerve and what they lack is shame. 
I'm taking a break from healing until 2022. Okay, I'm back. On the road again. Two days after Helion tried to get us to relax with an upbeat K-pop song, they stopped by to tell us about her stalker. Faye is my bias of Miss A. Before there was Irene, Faye was the ultimate mysterious, sexy, elegant idol. I'm so excited to review her first comeback since leaving JYP Entertainment. There's not much happening in this song, but it's one of those tracks that has a great beat guiding it. Similar to Boa's Better, this type of song is defined by the artist's vocal prowess and Faye more than meets the task. I'm not surprised by the high level of talent, but I'm still bitter that she had to wait so long to truly go solo. While this song isn't that strong, there are several reasons why this MV is worth checking out. Faye brings it with her smooth dancing, beautiful voice, and amazing wardrobe. She also raps, which was a pleasant surprise. I love the third verse and the editing of her swiping the camera to reveal a new book. I'm going to mention it a billion times, but Faye is so beautiful to me. Can't you see? Her visuals shine through with a darker hair color, so I'm glad she had black hair. There were moments in the video I could have lived without. I say no, 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 no to the full grown hairs that were slicked back and styled into shapes. Non-black women need to stop doing it. Those are bangs, ma'am, not baby hairs. Stick to the stuff you know. While I hated the slicked down bangs, I was impressed there was a different hairstyle that complemented each outfit. I will always praise Kara for doing the very easy task of finding different hairstyles without appropriating black culture. I loved seeing the creativity being reflected in face clothes and hair. My favorite hairstyle was Faye's buzz with the metal part bangs in her Maleficent inspired look, minus those highlighter yellow nails, which I didn't like at all. I'm going to end the discussion of the music video by talking about the worst and best looks. There was an outfit that should be a hate crime. I don't understand why the stylist had to pair a black and gold cardigan with those terrible pink and gray or puke green or whatever color tights. On the other hand, my favorite look was the blue top and shorts that reminded me of the music video from Miss A's last comeback, Only You. I was also intrigued by the black dress with the spiked crown, but I don't know, something about the headpiece felt too close to a crown of thorns for me, so I felt a little uncomfortable. Overall, I've listened to the song again. Faye does a great job adding to the haunting theme of the song with her unique appeal. There will never be another Faye. She could be a bigger star, and it makes me mad that her talent was ever shelved. To add insult to injury, this song is not available on Spotify, and you can't buy it either. Why? Why? I gave the video a like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and I highly suggest that you do the same. Let's move on to someone who may have tried to sneak in some cultural appropriation. Hmm. And with time, I'm growing less sure of whether I should buy any songs from her latest project.
the end of August, CL began the rollout of her much-awaited album, Alpha. On August 24th, the Jeezy Babes decided to revise history and crown Spicy as CL's official debut. I choose to love this song. I watched the video with so much pride and emotion. I was proud of CL for staying true to herself and keeping her baddest female concept. I doubted her. Because Five Star is so much better than Hua, I thought it was time for CL to mature and bring her image from 2011 to 2021. But she saw the vision and gave us a song that shows her charisma and is actually catchy. The song is infectious and CL reminds us that she can perform. However, she forgot that her song's choreography isn't that intense or interesting. When I saw the performance version of the song, I realized that what grabbed me was not only CL's energy, power, and chemistry, but also some pretty good editing. I felt a little tricked. I wondered if CL hired the same people who edited Luna's favorite and convinced us that the girls are prepared to debut as a group. The performance version also showed me a detail that I'd missed. I noticed that all the dancers had red braids, several of them in fact. It made me wonder if those hats were hiding some cornrows, maybe? With more thought, I started to enjoy the song less. I think it's good enough for the playlist, but I need a break from the music video, and by music video, I mean the original one. In my discussion of CL's next song, we'll have to discuss some enemies of progress. And off the train, people, it's time for the next segment. We ended the year with the Queens of Shuffle. OT4 Tiara is back, baby! On November 15th, the girls made their comeback with the single Tiki Taka. Let's start with the obvious. Hillman's braids are another example of cultural appropriation in K-pop. Fortunately, there's no ethnic hip happening in this song. There's no African themes or anything that would be considered tribal in the music video which makes the addition of braids even weirder. Would I love to see a black girl group wear natural hairstyles in a luxury setting? Yes, that would be forward movement and great representation. For Hyoman, it just seems like the hairstylist saw that the braids would be a great costume for her since she was one of the darker members of the group. Or maybe she pulled a Kai and asked for it herself because she has some delusion that her darker skin gives her the right to wear black hairstyles. Either way, it's a result of colorism rearing its ugly head and reducing blackness, a human experience, to an aesthetic for the entertainment of the Korean public. It's nasty, and it lowers the score of the song considerably. Maybe I'm constantly on a high alert for colorism, but it was a little cringe to see humans' black aesthetic and then GM solo in all white. It was a video representation of the branding we see in most K-pop groups, the alluring, darker member who's seen as a sex object, as opposed to the pure, pale visual who's presented as the ideal woman and therefore the face of the group. However, I did like that jewelry was used to give Jion a side part. Very cute. I also liked how everyone was styled according to my perceptions of their role in the group, my bias always looks like baby spice, so I love the ponytails. 
I also loved her crop top and jean skirt. Hillman, my biased wrecker, is the HBIC, and I felt that her look with the black dress with the deep V in the side part gave off that energy the most. Unjung is just that hot, effortlessly cool friend that's casually good at everything. I loved her look with her hair half up, more than her outfit with the sporty spice jeans, but she did look great as a Mycene doll. She's such a great singer, so I wanted to see her more. In spite of Jiyeon leaning into the pure maknae thing, which is problematic and weird, her white outfit was her best look. Now let's discuss the song. The chorus is the best part. I was confused about the actual title of the song as the title suggested a summer sound, but at least the chorus was catchy. The line and screen distribution of the song were abysmal. Now that there's four members, there's no reason that Hyoman and Jia needed to take up over half of this song. If you don't think that Kree has what it takes to hold her own, you're wrong because she did great with what little she was given. Also, she hasn't had many opportunities to develop as an artist. She never gets much screen time or line. However, when she's on a variety show, I'm never disappointed in her. She's funny. She does her part as a Tiara member and she deserves more respect. As I mentioned earlier, Eunjung has done her part. She's a great vocalist and performer, and I also think she's gorgeous, and I wish she'd be given more opportunities to shine individually as well. Even though this song is only three minutes long, it never took off for me. I felt that it was too bland in comparison to their past songs. I guess they were trying to do something sleek and cool, but that's not really Tiara's thing. Their songs either take unexpected turns or just have that distinct shuffle sound that never gets old with them. Either way, it's a ride. I felt like Tiki Taka was headed somewhere, but before I knew it, Jian said, well that's over, thanks for checking out our song. I never got a groove to hold on to, and I didn't feel anything emotionally. It was strange and not in the good Tiara way. I hope that this is a start of more music from Tiara, but I want the girls to have a discussion and figure out how to mature their original sound. I heard four lovely, familiar voices, not necessarily Tiara. That was today's stop for K-pop. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's proceed to the next segment. bringing me through two seasons of the podcast. I thank you for the support and community that you've given me, and I look forward to the joy and surprises that this next season will bring. I lift up all of our goals, plans, and resolutions to you. Give us strength and focus to reach the vision you've given us. Help us to partner with you and lean on you for wisdom and understanding. I pray that when we are tempted to be discouraged or distracted, remind us of our why. Remind us of the future we want for ourselves and send people to encourage us and motivate us to continue persevering. Thank you for keeping us through these last two years. I pray that you will comfort anyone that has lost family and friends during these difficult times, and I pray that you will send people to surround them and uplift them with love. Lord, even though this season seems to be endless, I pray that your enduring friendship will bring us joy. Remind us that you've given us a future and you've given us hope too. 
Remind us to wake up every day with expectation that there is life beyond this dark season and give us moments that will light the way towards the brighter days ahead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's over? Can this podcast go on forever? At the right price? I'll consider it. Check out previous episodes of the podcast. If you're on YouTube, you'll see some on the screen. And listen to the rest of this episode on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'll see you there. Thank you.